Welcome to episode number 20 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, I'm Conrad, your host for the show. I hope the new year is going well for you and that you're on the way to becoming who you're designed to be. So have you ever wondered what the world would look like if more leaders of companies and businesses, and even workers in these businesses, would live out their faith in their work? What would change? How would our communities be impacted? Well, my guest on the show today has wrestled with these very ideas and through some challenges in his business, discovered that it's really possible. David Weigelt is an entrepreneur, a business leader in our community, and he's currently the managing chair of C12 Central Maryland. And he'll explain what that is in a minute. David owned his own business for 20 years and most recently was the head of innovation for a global healthcare company. David is also a longtime friend, and for many years, David and I would meet for coffee and talk about business and brainstorm ideas and how we can make a difference in the world. So David and I sat down recently here in my studio, and we talked about some of these things. So here's my interview with David Weigel. Well, David, welcome to the My Story podcast. It's been... Uh... A long time that uh, we've known each other. And where did we meet originally? You know, did we meet at uh, FCF Church? Yeah, I think Frederick Christian Fellowship yep. uh, was where I think your company was contracted to redesign our logo or something. Yeah, that's right. And help with some marketing. Yeah, yeah. And we fell in love and ended up staying there. And you were employed there at the time. Yeah, I was. I was. I was on there doing their marketing and video and I had so many hats. I remember thinking I'd never <laughs> seen anything like it from a production quality standpoint. Yeah. You, you did a great job there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's kind of uh, interesting that we've kind of come full circle now and, and it, we're both in new places in our lives and you especially. And so I want to kind of dive in. So, so tell me, you know, who you are, what do you do? And then we'll talk about where you got your start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Conrad. I appreciate you having me here, it feels so natural. Um, going back to our days of uh, Saturday morning coffee mm -hmm. shop talks. I remember those. So, uh, yeah. This is about as comfortable a, a conversation and podcast as I think I could have with someone. So I appreciate that. Yeah. So my name is David Weigelt. I am I currently serving as the, the chairman of C12 Maryland, which I imagine we'll talk about. Personally, I've been married for 24 years to Stephanie, as you know, who mm -hmm. is a a dance teacher here at a magnet program in Frederick County in and Maryland. Quite a talented dance instructor as well. You know, um, she's one of those people that no matter who you put around her, you know, we've all known coaches like this, who who you put around her, she makes them better. And and that I always say thank God for that, right? For for me. Mm -hmm. And then um the the father of uh, two grown kids. So we're mm -hmm. fairly new empty nesters. I have one son who is down in um, a son that is down in Pensacola learning how to be a helicopter pilot. Mm -hmm. And I have a daughter that is in LA. We've talked a little bit. She has worked on different productions, currently working on an Apple Plus production, and mm -hmm. she's an aspiring scriptwriter. Very cool. Very cool. So how did you get to 
to where you are today. You've had an interesting journey in your business world. You mentioned you're the chair of the Maryland C12 group, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, uh, it's it's been a, a fun and a, a, w- a wonderful journey. I'll tell you. Um, you know, I was. Uh, I think I would say uh, God kind of wired me to be a builder. And so from the start, I early on, I've been an entrepreneur. I think my first company, um, I would put that in quotes, was at age 12. Mm-hmm. And I can remember to this day just the feeling of excitement, you know, when I created that flyer that represented me as someone that was going to bring value to your front lawn, you know, <laughs> <laughs> cutting your grass. And, um, so I've had several businesses for the last 20 years. I had a business called Immersion Active, which is a digital marketing firm focused on adults in the second half of life. So we were kind of unique in, in our um, specialization there and our expertise. Uh, that worked really well for us um, from the standpoint of we had started our business in the dot-com days and survived that. But frankly, um, Despite the great work and great opportunities that we did, we had worked with City Financial, we had worked with the Baltimore Ravens during their 10th anniversary. Um, it, it seemed to always be coming down to, you know, who's the cheapest guy that, that can do this work for us from an interactive standpoint. So when we narrowed our focus, which was probably about seven, 10 years into immersion, uh, it was just a wonderful journey from there of being able to have a greater impact on the companies that we worked with. And one of those companies, Home Instead Senior Care, uh, we worked with for about nine years. And then uh, about four years ago, they acquired Immersion Active. Hmm. Um, that's been a wonderful experience where they left Immersion Active, an independent company, to continue to pursue its mission as well as serving Home Instead. And they moved me over as you know, to um, help them on the corporate side um, develop a global innovation program. And mm-hmm. so this idea of, of innovation and, and leveraging their 1,200 offices in 12 countries, how can you do that in a way that brings new ideas, new value to the marketplace? Mm-hmm. That was my job for the last four years. And honestly, um, I loved, loved, loved the work, as you know. I just got to a point this time last year where the the travel was really starting to get to me. And I, I found myself on a plane on the 21st of December going the wrong way. And mm. um, I just really um, prayed to God, and, you know, what, what would you have for me next? How, how might you bring me home? And so that's how I find myself here now with C12. Well, you're also an author. You've co-authored a book. You know, I've never been comfortable with that that term. Um, we, I'm blessed to have been part of uh, writing a book. Um, it was part of our journey to um, realizing uh, expertise where maybe um, as a company with Immersion, we had experience serving the these consumers, these audiences, um, but we didn't necessarily have expertise. And so we had a great mentor and coach at the time, a gentleman by the name of David Baker out of Nashville. And he said, look, you know, I, I want to encourage you to think about this idea of writing a book. And so we took it on actually as a team project and it took us about 12 months. Um, it was called Dot Boom. And it was about this idea that there was this, there was and is now uh, this pending age wave that would have a huge impact on society and how we could not just market to them and sell them more crap, but how, how we could 
um, see that as an opportunity to engage them meaningfully using these new digital tools that we had in a way that helped them process their lives. And so that was something our whole team participated mm -hmm. in and um, my business partner as well, of course. Mm -hmm. Very good. So what what are the values that you have today that are guiding principles on how to do business? That's a great question. Um, a big fan of Ray Dalio, who of course came out with a book recently on principles and um, he's, he's a great guy, but I feel like I'm being, you know, uh, principles are being thrown up on us right now. One, one that is recurring for me um, that I learned early on and, and has probably served me the greatest over time is this idea of uh, choosing your, your partners, picking your partners before your path. Mm. And I think, I think I learned that through um, hard lessons and trials and error uh, over time. I remember being at a global leadership summit though one time and hearing that articulated in that way and saying, yes, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I reflect now, I've had a, a wonderful chance over the past four, six months to kind of reflect on, on my journey. And I reflect on that and just how powerful that's been for me, whether it's you know, choosing my my partner in life, my partner in business, and Jonathan Bowman, the people that we you know chose to be on our our team at Immersion, the vendors that we worked with. Most recently, um, in doing innovation work, I had the opportunity to um, help make recommendations um, and negotiate deals to make investments in in startups. And it's just never failed me, you know, um, picking people that you trust and for which your your values and your mission and your your view of the world aligns can um, forgive and, and help cover up all the other things that are inevitable, right? Things are um, never going to be perfect in this world. And so that, that principle, I would say, has served me best. Mm -hmm. So how did those principles guide you into what you're doing today with, with the C12 group? Very much so. Um, you know, there there are different um, peer advisory groups out there, um, both secular and faith-based, and some of them are, are really strong. The, the concept, the idea is a really powerful one and um, has been around for about 60 years. And so when I felt like God was calling me to kind of play this, this new role of um, coming home and walking with local business leaders in Maryland, um, I really felt strongly that I needed to do my due diligence. So I actually went through the vetting process with three different groups, um, one secular and two that were faith-based. I quickly determined that the faith component was really important to me and where God was calling me right now. Uh, but, you know, interesting story. I, um, as I started to uh, think about C12, it was actually a competitor of C12s that said to me, you know, I always thought you would make a really good chair. So I was a C12 member for seven years, as you know, as a business owner, um, actually drove to Philly from Frederick to Philly uh, for three years. And then finally, we, we got a group here in Maryland. And th this gentleman said, I always thought you'd be a good chair from day one when C12 came to Maryland. And at the time he was interested in maybe having me join him. 
and it was probably my second or third business trip into 2019. And I found myself in Atlanta and by chance, uh, C12 was having their conference there that weekend. And I called Steph and I said, you know, I just don't feel like this is a coincidence and I need to stay here. And um, that weekend I reconnected with my uh, chair, my former chair from from Philly. And um, God just really spoke to me that this is, this is where I want you with this group of of men and women, there are uh, with me now 105 C12 chairs in four countries. Mm. And uh, that idea of being a part of something bigger. But I also, uh, in the case of C12, really took a look at um, their leadership. So they had some new leadership in the past three, four years. And one of the things I have um, learned in making investments in other uh, companies and people is, is to really look at those teams and to look at the plans that they mapped out, maybe two, three, four years back and look at the trajectory that they're on. Do they have momentum? Can, do I see evidence of them leading through those goals? Everything doesn't have to be a win, uh, but do I see them doing the things that they said that they were going to do and um, plotting a course and bringing leadership to the table that's bold, but that they're also acting on. So that was a big factor for me in terms of choosing C12. As a matter of fact, their new leader has a mantra that really uh, connected with me and it's this idea of results matter and i personally believe that in i may get fee negative feedback on this but i personally believe that in business when it comes to business and i'm going to say filmmaking too conrad mm -hmm. not not including you mm -hmm. there's a lot of what i would classify as christian mediocrity mm -hmm. And so this, uh, what really attracted me about C12 is this idea that, hey, um, it's not just about this touchy-feely, squishy coming together and talking uh, spiritually and, and religiously about things. It's about, hey, it, God's given us this wonderful opportunity with these businesses that we're stewards of. And what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that from a financial standpoint, from a people standpoint, um, from a mission standpoint? And so that is extremely energizing to me. Hmm. So a little semantics, what does C12 mean or stand for? So C12 was founded 27 years ago by a gentleman named Buck Jacobs, and he was a pretty hardcore businessman. He'd been in the chemical company, chemical business, and uh, he joined what was called Tech, uh, I think it was Tech Group back in the day. So this is 27 years ago. Um, it's now known as Vistage. And so he unapologetically says, hey, I just had this thought that if you could combine this idea of um, – peer advisory groups where um, CEOs, non-competing, come together, you know, and um, this, have this iron sharpens iron model, but have add the biblical principles to it, that you would have a real winner there. And so that's, that's where the idea came from. Originally, I think it, it sounds like most kind of business ideas, you and I have had more than a few of these mm -hmm. conversations, you know, you get on a roll and you're scribbling stuff down on a napkin. And so the story, as I understand it, is they scribbled down, well, you know, it's about these small groups and small group intimacy and it's Christian. So let's call it the, um, the Christian 12. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. And someone else said, that's way too long. Mm -hmm. So they, they truncated it to C12 and it's been that ever since. Mm. Very cool. So- what do you see happening in business with, with the people who join, say, your table in the next few years? What will happen to their businesses potentially? Yeah, right. It's a great question. I think I would start by saying that having been in a few groups, 
this idea of peer advisory groups is a really, really strong one that I wish I had become aware of much earlier in my career. But like a lot of things in life, most things in life, you get out of it what you put into it, right? Mm. And so as I think about my job in building these tables, as we refer to them sometimes, these boards, I think, uh, first off, I have a responsibility in kind of curating those tables. Um, and, and I have three criteria, three things I'm really looking for. Um, the first is a growth mindset. I think that that's really important, that these people come um, hungry um, to grow and make the most of what, what God's given them. Uh, the second one uh, that is incredibly important um, and that I learned from a previous mentor is the willingness to be vulnerable. Hmm. So I've been in groups where people, guys come for months and they talk about nothing but the good things they have going on in their life. I literally, this is literally a, a store experience I had and probably six months into his journey, um, you know, we find out that um, he had not, he was not being true to his wife. Hmm. And so I would, you know, um, I think that vulnerability, it, it, if you don't have that, that can be a real slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And then the third is the willingness to be held accountable, mm -hmm. right? That is to say, hey, um, not not in a carrot and stick kind of a way, but in a we're going to walk beside each kind of way. And so, Conrad, when you say I'm setting out to do this documentary and I'm going to make this personal investment as you've done every time you've done one of your documentaries, um, I want to be the guy that puts people around you that helps you achieve that goal in the most positive way possible. Mm. And so that accountability is really important. But interestingly enough, a lot of people, including a lot of Christian business owners, don't want that. Mm. Frankly, they like being in a position where they're calling the shots and nobody's um, there to say, but hold on, Conrad, you said this was important to you. You know, Why do you think that is? Is that just a power thing or is it yeah, is human nature? I think it's human nature and when we start to turn away from God and kind of forget where our, where our roots are and think that we're in total control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I gave you the prelude to your answer there. What do I, what would I expect to see from mm -hmm. somebody that joined C12? It is really interesting. The best thing I can probably do is tell you what my story was. Mm -hmm. I can tell you my C12 story was I had a business that at the time was doing really well. As a digital marketing firm, we had weathered uh, through the dot-com days. Um, we had actually had a hero moment in 2007, 2008, where our analytics team was able to identify for one of our big clients, the economic downturn, and we, we got more work f as a result of that. So we were at this really high point and we made a decision, a decision that was um, uh, not bad in and of itself. And that was, you know, we're going to start to hire more senior people. We were tired of being the biggest experts or the most experienced people in our business. And so we went out on a hiring spree that caused a, ca a cash crunch that for the first time in our company's history had us looking at having to let people go. Hmm. And we had always taken pride in, hey, we've never missed a payroll. And that's a, a real, um, you know, big commitment and responsibility that we have. And so we, we were facing that. And I said at the time to our very small leadership team, um, man, I, I wish we had like a board of advisors, you know, and mm -hmm. bigger companies, of course, have boards. Mm -hmm. um, but as a small company, I didn't think that that was possible for me. I didn't think I could afford to, to pay the kind mm -hmm. of people I would want around the table. And so it was actually Immersion's current president, Joe Ford, who identified um, C12 on one of our vendor sites. Mm. 
And so when I joined C12, for me, it was all about, I want to fix my company. I want to grow my company. I want to be a better leader. And almost instantly from the first meeting, sitting around that table with other CEOs who felt and experienced the same things that I did, they were responsible for the next payroll. Um, you know, they had the they own, their own boogeyman that was keeping them up at night in terms of, you know, um, which plate was going to fall next if it didn't get their attention mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And so that's why I originally went in and we saw almost immediate improvement in the health of our business. Mm-hmm. Some of it as a result of tough love. So one of the things that C12 does is um, annually, every member has to do what's called a core business presentation. And it's a deep dive into your business. And there's a a framework and a set of information you have to provide. And everybody in that room's focus is on you. And I can tell you, um, my business partner and I used to compare it to like a proctology exam. I mean, it was it, it was tough. And we went home and we So you're basically st- opening the books to these people that are under table. Yeah, you're presenting it to them in a way that they can see all sides of your business, both mm-hmm. current state as well as how that meshes with your vision and strategy. And so we got some tough love that said, I know, you know, we know you've got these big dreams over here, but, you know, you've got some immediate house cleaning you need to do over mm-hmm. here. And so um, we said, hey, if we're going to do this, um, we're going to really do it. And so we, um, you know, we listened and we adjusted, made some tough adjustments and so forth, including this idea of letting people go, which was not easy. And um, and so that was the first benefit. And I see that uh, it's almost like going to the gym, right, Conrad? Like, you know, and a lot of people will do that this time of year, um, the first part of the year. And it's like right, right away you experience this boost, right? Where you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm feeling better, you know, feeling mm-hmm. a little stronger. Um, so that's the immediate boost. But the real transformation uh, for me and what I've seen for others um, comes a little later, about six to 12 months in, in my experience, in two different groups. What I saw is you start to have this trust and this bond with the people around the table. And I started to get inspired by how some of these other peers and colleagues were leading their businesses and their lives. And it really started to inspire me to kind of break out of my thinking in terms of what it meant to be a quote unquote Christian business owner, business leader. And for me, sadly, I say this um, without embarrassed to say this, like for me, I had a real relationship with Jesus for probably 20 years at this point, thanks to my mom. And yet uh, I very much lived my life such that, you know, um, I went to to church on Sunday and, um, you know, I worked probably 60 hours plus Monday through Friday. Uh, I would get home and, um, I really did try to get home before my kids would go to bed and spend some time with them. And then my wife got whatever was left over. I was a far cry from being a good manager and leader and business partner during those 60 to 80 hours, because simply I just left my faith either at home or, or at church. And so this idea of you know living a more integrated life, I feel like that's a bit of a trite phrase now, but getting away from this compartmentalized life is maybe a better way to say it, was the point at which I really started to see transformation in myself personally and my leadership effectiveness, but also um, how we were doing as a company. And it's just when it got very fun too. And then that you saw some transformation there just in your business and you saw that grow, right? Yeah. I'll give you one example. Um, 
there's there's three things that C12 really did for me. One is this idea of life in order, right? Um, that's incredibly important, I think, for a lot of business leaders. The second is work is worship. So this may sound sick or ridiculous to some people, but I honestly got to a point where my life was all meetings and I was like, how could I treat meetings as worship? Mm-hmm. So I'll just let that rest and have people think about it. But for me, it was a wonderful journey. And then the third part of that, that where it gets really fun, is this idea of business as ministry. And when uh, Jonathan and I, my business partner and I joined C12, this was the last thing on our mind. As a matter of fact, the first, we didn't even know what that meant. Our first exposure to that idea was there was a guy in, in our group in Philly who um, was a really strong believer, and he had a printing shop, and he did large format printing. And he had printed out all of these Bible verses and put them on the, the rise of each of the steps going up to his office. Mm. And at the time, I remember thinking, that's whack. That is just so weird, dude. Like we are not, work is not the the place to be. In my word, it was proselytizing and that was Mm -hmm. unacceptable. I think what we came to realize on that beautiful journey and the grace that God showed us through that time was this idea of the, 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 the definition of the word ministry is really about caring. Mm-hmm. And so if we could start just thinking in those terms, um, business as caring. And so for us at the time, we were spinning up a call center. We were starting to get into some financial services marketing, and we were spinning up a call center. And f- we created an emergency fund. And we had no idea how this might be used, but we knew that everybody you know, ran into financial you know, um, bumps in the road from time to time. And uh, about probably two or three months into um, starting opening up this new call center, we had an employee that was driving from West Virginia and she had a she had car issue and she came in one day and she was just crying. And one of our uh, members of our leadership team came to us and said, hey, I think we have our first candidate to use the emergency fund with. And so uh, we met with this lady who was a great employee and she showed us a picture of her front yard where um, she had three cars. This was the third car that had now broken down. And her cycle, the cycle she was in was she would buy the cheapest car she could afford, you know, the, mm. the car she could afford. Then something would happen that she couldn't repair. And so it was just as easy to buy another car mm. and so forth. And so she was in this loop and she was an hourly employee. So if she didn't work, she didn't get paid. Mm. When we told her that, you know, at immersion, we had this emergency fund. And I think at the time we had funded it to 2,500 or $5,000 and that we would be happy as transmission, as I recall, we would be happy to help her fix that. She explained to us the car's probably not worth that. She started to cry instantly. Um, This was a grant. So this wasn't a loan. She couldn't believe it. But the really um, God part of this story is we never had to spend a dime of that emergency fund. And yet it was so transformative for our culture because the point at which both our leadership team and our employees knew that this was the kind of company that we were, no strings attached, that we would help them if they were in a time of need like that, things just started happening. And in this case, as an example, um, we found out that right up the street from our office, there was a nonprofit we had never heard of before called Second Chance Garage. Mm. And they help people that are struggling financially get connected either with a new car or mm. get inexpensive repairs on their car. And so we didn't have to, we just connected her with that, mm. that resource. Mm. But it took us taking that step for the whole company to know one, it's okay. 
And two, this is what we mean when we mean ministry. And three, I can bring something to the table here too, right? Mm -hmm. And so that idea came from a member of our leadership team. So that's just one example. You know, certainly there were opportunities to bring the gospel, um, to advance that gospel in and through our business. The company that bought us is a is a global organization that happens to be a Christian organization. Um, so there were wonderful opportunities through that in really tasteful, respectful, inclusive ways to share our faith and our love for, for Jesus in a way that that really I found that people respected and um, made us a more attractive place to work, a more productive place. What would happen if 50% of the companies in America would do something like this? That is a powerful question. In innovation, in my previous life, we thought a lot about what does transformation look like? What would it take for transformation to be realized, let's say, in if a company is very analog and making it digital and so forth. And so I've been thinking about and praying about that as it relates to, to Maryland and doing exactly that. I think, you know, people jokingly call where we live the swamp, right? Or the mm. burbs of the swamp, mm, <laughs> the metro right, area of the right. swamp. I think it would be transformative. Um, I know a lot of people, honestly, Conrad, that don't think that our faith should have any place in the workplace. Mm. And we know of companies that are suffering because of their stand there. Mm -hmm. But I think when you have companies behaving in a way like we see in Jesus' life, you see lives changed for the better. And, and I just want to say this, whether they're believers in Christ or not, mm -hmm. um, I have been so personally blessed by people on my team that were not Christians that God has used to, to touch and speak to me. So this isn't all about creating some Christian bubble, but it's about living this life that God gave us a, a template to live. And so in the Maryland area, in my kind of area of stewardship, I think about the 270 corridor and what if we could have 20 businesses, 20% of the Christian CEOs in our area, that would be about 120 um, CEOs up and down 270. They say the average small to medium business touches about 5,000 um, people. I think that's probably a pre-internet mm -hmm. data point because sure. you probably reach that that number mm -hmm. in a week, right. uh, you know, with the work that you do or immersion does. Um, but you think about that. We know that, right? We don't mm -hmm. think about that often. Mm -hmm. But if, if you could do that, uh, you know, 120 times 5,000, you're reaching, um, you know, a half a million people in the Washington metro area, it would be hard to go to the grocery store and not feel the love of Jesus. And that's right. pretty cool. That would be an amazing, amazing experience. Be amazing for our culture. I mean, how much would, you know, these government programs that are set up to help people, we, we probably wouldn't, wouldn't need them Yep. eventually. We, you you live your studio is here in in a town that houses the headquarters for FEMA. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I've thought that very thing. Um, FEMA does great work, mm -hmm. but I've thought you probably wouldn't need a FEMA. Right. Um. In a, in that scenario, in downtown Frederick, we have a growing chronic homelessness problem, mm -hmm. and people really wrestle with what is the answer. And um, the problem has gotten so complex. And yet underneath of that is really um, a beautiful answer in terms of the model uh, Christ set for us in terms of how we care for others. And um, 
that, that is uh, very inspiring to me. Mm. What's been the favorite thing you've worked on in your career? What's been kind of that thing that was the highlight for you? I would have to say in my most recent position as head of innovation for Home Instead, we had the wonderful opportunity to uh, bring technology to the front line of the business is the way we would describe it. Basically, we were um, we had custom-made hardware and software that we could place into the homes of seniors that we were serving that really powerfully connected them in a in a very secure and trustworthy manner manner with their their loved ones, and that um, that was a real blessing to see. Uh, that was really exciting to work on and to see what a blessing that was on people's lives. I don't think the average person thinks about the plight of loneliness, mm -hmm. but it is a global problem mm -hmm. and it affects people physically. Um, our um, length of life um, is actually cut short by about three years. Mm -hmm. Chronic loneliness is just a really, really tough thing that interestingly enough, on the one hand for younger generations is getting worse mm -hmm. as a result of some of the technology that right. we have available and um, social media and so forth. Mm -hmm. But for seniors, um, there's this digital divide where um, their loneliness can actually be helped very, very dramatically by helping them stay connected in meaningful ways. And so that was wonderful work to be able to do that um, on a global scale with some wonderful partners and a company that truly cared hmm. about about helping seniors. I would say that was probably some of my most meaningful work. Hmm. Very cool. So what are some of the books, podcasts, or leaders or people that have most influenced you over the years? Yeah. The obvious religious answer, right, would be the Bible and Jesus. And for sure, actually, I, I would say um, in just being very open with you that I struggle with reading probably more books written by man about God than I do the book that, that God gave us, right? Mm -hmm. But that is a journey for me, and I, I continue to work on that. Some of the, the books and people that have been most influential uh, for me, um, one of the books is called Firms of Endearment. Uh, which is an answer to Jim Collins' book, um, Good to Great. And what this gentleman, um, his name was David Wolf, ended up doing was indexing um, the top companies that took a multi-stakeholder view on how they ran their company. So an example for us locally would be, we have a little town called Thurmont near us here that's what, maybe three, 5,000 people mm -hmm. at the most, I would guess. And they were able to organize themselves years ago and fight to keep um, Walmart from coming into town. Mm -hmm. And yet when Costco came to town, not to Thermont, but came to Frederick, we celebrated that and their parking lot has never had an open space ever since, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Costco does some things that had me, even as a white collar employer, mm -hmm. competing for people um, that with them because they provided health insurance way before for hourly employees way before that was a, a thing. Um, they set limits on how much their CEO makes um, above the highest paid employee. Um, they do a lot of things to really make sure that they're balancing um, the needs of all of their different stakeholders, not just one. I know there's a lot of people probably especially um, stock investors that may not agree with that. So that was one book that that really influenced me. Uh, another one um, was called Peak, 
uh, by a gentleman named um, Chip, um, forgetting his last name now, but it took a Maslowian approach to how you work with your employees. Mm -hmm. And it was a simplified Maslowian approach that said, hey, you know, um, everybody that you interact with has a definition of um, what it's going to take to survive, succeed, or be transformative. And if we can talk about that, mutually understand that, we can create a real environment where people want to work for you and, and they do their, their best work. From a, from a people standpoint, I have been richly blessed at each season of my life with different people who've been influential to me. Right now, interestingly enough, there are two people that are just really impacting how I think and how I behave. And they're not people that are alive and around me, as as has typically been the case, but um, Abraham Lincoln and uh, Billy Graham. Hmm. Um, I recently took a bucket list trip down to the Cove to Asheville, North Carolina, and just really dove into that man's life. And he will tell you he was not perfect, but I think we need more... Um, men that are willing to stand up and be unapologetic about about their faith and live it in such mm -hmm. an intentional and strong way like he did. And Abraham Lincoln is just this, just this beautiful, you know, people have all kinds of crazy ideas about this man, but really um, his life was about this beautiful combination of grace and grit. Um, things didn't come easy to that man. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, I mean, Everybody thinks of the Civil War, which certainly didn't come easy, you know, in his leadership, but his life even leading up to that. And um, I love that. I love that idea, maybe because that's been my journey a little bit, is, has required some some grit and, and a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm finding more and more, in fact, this guy I interviewed yesterday, he was talking about persistence and, and just keeping at it. You have a goal and you have a a, a, a thing out there you want to accomplish and you go for it and you don't stop. You're, you're persistent until you go through all the hard stuff to yeah. get there. Yep. And all that hard stuff creates character. Yes. And, you know, so I think we, we live in a culture these days mm -hmm. for many people who, you know, give everything to their kids. They take care of all the problems that the kids have. And so this generation is growing up with, they've had it easy. And so when adversity hits, what's going to happen? They don't know what to do. And I think that allowing our children, allowing people to go through some struggles is good, is good for us because it creates character. It creates this drive that, hey, we can do this. We can succeed. We can, you know, push through this. And I think that's something that all of us need to do, especially in business. It's, it's a grind. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, and uh, if we can focus on you know what our purpose is and our mission is yes and push toward that i think then we can accomplish great things yeah i heard a, a great interview i'm not a cnn guy i will tell you i'm not a news guy right now but i saw a great interview with uh anderson cooper where the guy almost cries um and because the person he's talking to is sharing his faith and said um i've learned to come to appreciate that the struggles in life are equally the blessing um, that are the good times. Mm -hmm. And I think most people, including probably most Christians, don't think that. Mm -hmm. We, especially in America, we live in such a state of luxury and convenience um, that I think we think 
our pursuit needs to be only of the good stuff. Hmm. But it's so easy if we stop for a second and reflect back on our life in terms of where our growth was or where a pivot happened hmm. that that we're grateful for. It usually came as a result of some sort of a struggle, right? You know, right. And so if we can get to a place um, where when we see those things coming, we can um, anticipate that, hey, um, you know, Romans 8, 28 comes to mind, but mm -hmm. hey, if I can, if I can stay centered here and, uh, and uh, keep uh, centered from a, a Christ standpoint, but also in terms of seeking God and his will for my life, that um, it's all going to be good. You know, God's mm -hmm. going to use that somehow. Mm -hmm. So I saw, I don't know if you saw the Garth Brooks documentary that was on A&E the past week. Amazing, amazing man, amazing story of just, you know, huge success. But he said something that was really striking. He said, you know, in, in life you have, and he used his hand, he said, mm -hmm. you have blessing and, and your blessing is also a curse. And your curse is also can turn into the blessing. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it goes both ways. And um, God, uh, God wants to use it all. He wants to use it all. Yep. Right. And, and he can. Sometimes he, you know, right now, you know, Jody and I are, are praying for a specific thing with the business and the work. And, and we, we, we had a talk last night and we were talking about, well, look what God is doing. He did this thing over here that happened that we didn't expect that we didn't expect this is, you know, we were kind of thinking it was going to go this way, but it went yep. this way. Yep. And we're like, yeah, wow, that was, that was a blessing. Yeah. That was an answer to prayer. Not in the way that we thought it should go. Right. But it was, yeah, to see that happen is, is pretty, is pretty cool. I think that's one of the great, you're describing one of the great paradoxes in life. And that is that I think God expects us to dream and pray big. Mm -hmm. um, but he also expects us to be mindful of where he would have us go and taking that step. I, I In my life, I think of those as kind of the Red Sea moments, right? Mm -hmm. um, where um, you, you take that step and it's not until you take that step, usually in my experience, that God kind of finish, finishes mm -hmm. painting the picture mm -hmm. or puts that next layer of paint on there for you to see what he would have for you. And it's usually even better than what you expect. Right. Right. So just a couple more questions here to wrap up. I want to be mindful of our time here. Mm -hmm. So when the movie about your life is made, <laughs> what will the log line be? Yeah, well, I want to confess as someone my daughter would tell you knows very little about movies and messes up just about every reference <laughs> that she that I try to throw out there. I didn't know what a log line was. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I read one on Wikipedia. It was a brilliant one from Charles Schultz for one of the peanuts. So, so I think I know what it is now, but I feel so unworthy to offer this up because man, just the thought of a movie about me or whatever is not comfortable. But I think about um, a story where a, a faithful lady gave her son the name of a king and through a lot of trial and error and mistakes experiences just a wonderful adventure with Jesus. And I'm not sure if this needs to be one sentence, but my last sentence would be, but God. Hmm. That's, that's probably the coolest one I've, I've heard yet from people I've talked to. So 
that's, gives that's me kind of cool. chills to think about. It's it's yeah. a it's a wonderful thing, but that's literally what I think is, you know, I'm I'm on I'm on this adventure with Jesus and um despite myself. Mm. <laughs> um and thanks to God and his grace, it is just wonderful. Mm. So if if anyone's listening and they're interested in the C12, how can they get in touch with you? So two ways I would offer up. This is a very personal thing, I realize. Uh, so if someone is maybe a little interested, but not a lot interested, uh, they're welcome to visit my website, which is um, c12maryland.com. So that's c12maryland.com. Very easy. Um, has some good videos and content on there that tell a little bit about my story, um, but but also about C12 and the curriculum and this idea of peer advisory groups and a couple of case studies and so forth. Um, and then I'm happy to give out my cell phone number as well. So um, people call me all the time, 301-471-0373. And, you know, I, I take each of those, every conversation I have with someone as however God wants to use me in those conversations, even if it's just to, to pray for a business leader. I know many times that can be pretty lonely. So I just want your listeners to know it doesn't have to be just about uh, C12. Well, David, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the program. And uh, thank you for being a friend and uh, just being an encouragement to me so many times. And I just really appreciate your friendship and uh, glad that we could get, get together and do this recording. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on your show and thanks for being a light in this world. Absolutely. David, thanks so much for taking time to meet and to talk and to, to share your story. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about C12 Central Maryland and how the companies you're working with will change our community for the better. Next week on the My Story podcast, I have the privilege of having Margie Pizarro. She's an attorney in South Carolina and the author of How I Got From There to Here. She tells us her story about growing up in poverty in South Carolina's low country and how the challenges she faced as a young black girl in the South really helped shape who she has become today. So be sure to tune in next week for her amazing story. And hey, if you enjoy these podcasts and think that more people should listen, I would heartily agree. So why don't you give me a review on Apple Podcasts? That helps spread the word. Then share this episode with a friend, and you can post it through a text message or an email or even through a Facebook post. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook so you don't miss an episode. The music on today's show is from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Last, be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. And if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what we can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast. Yeah.